What's up, Society members? Welcome to the Underground Society podcast, the show that helps you achieve your goals in the EDM industry. My name is Justin McGarry, and I invite you to join me in discovering the challenges that the professionals in our industry had to overcome in order to get to where they're today. And in this episode, we are going to be diving deep into the topic of burnout. We have all been in those times of working so hard that we begin to feel like our creative juices have dried up and we hit a brick wall. And if you haven't yet, it will eventually happen because unfortunately it does happen to everyone. But in order to avoid burnout within the music industry, you must learn how to find the proper balance between work and play, learn how to take time off when it is needed and also have an understanding that there is going to be an ebb and flow that comes with creativity so today our guest who goes by the name of crimson child who is a music producer from vancouver canada and has done work with artists like whipped cream and hades and in 2020 even released his debut album called the 11th hour on space yacht records is here to explain to us how he finds balance within his own project in his everyday life and how he gauges when the right time is to take a break from work in order to feed his own creativity so i hope you're ready for this one let's get started Underground Society Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Era of EDM, a lifestyle brand inspired by electronic music. Based out of Northern California, they are proud to announce their magazine will be available free via print and digital come April 2022. And on top of that, they're working on bringing some of the biggest acts to their local market. Check them out on eraofedm.com to see all they're doing and stay in the know. I know you had a great start with a ton of support in your project early on, being that you played your first festival and went on your first, I would say, world tour within your first year of your project. Um, have you always been a bass music producer? Or was that When did the Crimson Child's project kind of start? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I have definitely not always been. Before this, I produced under a different name, uh, which I, I don't really tie that project to this one too much because uh, okay. it's just kind of what I was starting out under, although I might bring it back. Uh, at some point, but that was uh, more under the house and techno. Oh, awesome. Uh, I love both uh, of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm super obsessed with techno, especially like I keep coming back to it. Nice. It's uh, the genre that I started out with. When I started producing, I wanted to make bass music right away. I was inspired by Skrillex. Yeah. I was inspired by all the dubstep that I heard as I was when I was a kid. And then I realized that to produce it is a whole different beast. And it's very difficult. The sound design, I couldn't get my head around it. I was 14 at the time. Right. Um, but my first mentor, uh, I got really lucky with a family friend who was making music, who gave me uh, a license of Ableton, you know, set me up, got me going. When I would go to their place, uh, in the studio we would work together he would show me all of his techno projects and so that kind of led me down the path of using that genre to learn production because the structures are simpler easier to get your head around um the instrumentation it's a lot more minimal a lot more pared down than the right. layering that it comes with bass music so yeah for the first like three years or so it was pretty much just house and techno and then leading up to the launch of the crimson child project which was in july 2018 for that year i had really been uh kind of wanting to get out of that box that i'd put myself in and spend a lot of time uh just writing a lot of different genres and seeing what i wanted to take the, which direction i wanted to take the new project in because i knew it wasn't going to be house and techno but i right. wasn't sure what it was going to be there was a time i thought it was going to be a drum and bass project and then I wrote like 10 DMB tunes and I was like, I can't keep doing this. <laughs> only this style, right? Um, and yeah, in the end, it ended up being like a mixture of the more melodic 
future-based kind of influence from Elenium and these kinds of artists, and right. then also being inspired by the darker mid-tempo sound that was really popping at the time. You have a great, uh, your music is great, especially your album that you put out. Fantastic work, man. Thank you, man. Great balance between all of those genres. So that's why I was asking. So I was like, man, you know, he sounds like he has other outside influences, and especially with your early success um, early on. I mean, being able to, would you call that tour a world tour? What would you call that? Because it was around, it was more of the European countries, correct? So that was uh, mostly a trip with friends uh, going around Europe and and like trying to soak in as much as possible. I did play a couple shows, but I didn't really call it a tour. Um, at the time I played in Paris and as well in Germany and gotcha. those were really good experiences to get out and, and, and DJ. You're originally from Canada, right? Uh, yeah. Born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. Okay, cool. My ethnicity is Persian, Gotcha. Uh, but I was the first person in my family born outside of Iran. Okay, cool. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so yeah, what I was saying was with the early success early on, like, do you think because you had those projects before you were already working, you know, making music for a few years before the Crimson Child project, you just kind of had all the pieces. You knew what you had to do once you started the new project. Uh, I definitely had more of a foundation than if I had just kind of gone in head first. But things have definitely changed since when I first started Crimson Child as a project in terms of my vision for what I want to do with it and uh, the sound that I want to present. But it definitely helped that I didn't start with Crimson Child right away. I don't think the project would be where it is if I did. Right. Um, I, I had to kind of get, get my feet under me when I was figuring out production and the technical sides of it. Not that I've figured it out now, but there's a foundation there. Right. And yeah, when I first started working on the, the Crimson Child project, it was really about authenticity. I was just trying to figure out a sound that really felt like me because everything I had made before was in the pursuit of technical mastery. And yeah. so it was all based on copying and referencing and understanding the existing structures. And now yeah, le- learning how to put the piece- puzzle pieces together versus creating yeah. your own puzzle pieces to put together. Exactly. That, yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that what that is, what that manifests itself as has changed over the course gotcha. of the project um, from where it started with the kind of melodic mid-tempo stuff and then going to the album. I think the album is a pretty big departure from that. It, it's oh, yeah. <laughs> really even more um, in the pursuit of authenticity. I just kind of did away with all the uh, structures that I had in my mind before and wanted to kind of rebuild it all from scratch. You were talking about how your the Crimson Child, the vision, the sound and stuff has changed over time. What do you think was like the main thing that like propelled you to do that? Was it just naturally that it naturally happened or was there kind of like your technical skills skills weren't what they were back then when you at the start of the project. So as they developed, you developed a new direction. I think it's definitely a mixture of both. Um, Okay. As my technical skill improved, I got more ambitious with the scope of the projects of how many different influences I wanted to kind of congeal together because I tried to do that earlier on and just, you know, the execution wasn't there. I just didn't understand how to meld these different ideas and these different influences because right. I didn't understand Ableton. I didn't understand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just the pure clicking, twisting knobs part of right. making it sound like a song. So definitely that's a part of it. But myself as a person, I, I, I have a really hard time staying focused on just one thing and I'm not yeah. uh, as stimulated by just doing one thing. So I, I knew early on that I wasn't going to make the project known by just this one genre that I kept doing. That couldn't be the through line that connects all my work because I know myself enough to know that I don't have the patience to 
just make one sound forever. <laughs> so I, I tried to find other ways of creating like connections, connect, uh, cohesiveness. And right. one of the ma- ways was branding and the way that I kind of connect all the songs together and put my decided to put my face at the forefront of it Mm -hmm. to to loop everything together and then in the album um that was the first time i really showcased my own vocals uh in the production because i i didn't know that was your own vocals in the production yeah um on a lot of the songs that's awesome i'm gonna go back and listen pay attention to that now (laughs) i actually sang on on music before that but it was always like background um, it was always like just supporting whatever vocal was already there, but the album was the first time I took the risk of uh, doing lead vocals, right? Because I wanted, like I said, more ways of pulling together the the music and giving myself the freedom to explore the genre side more and not be as confined to okay, I have to make all the songs in the same style because the vocals are what connects it, or rather the the yeah. live instruments that we recorded are what connects it, not what genre it is. You know, absolutely. Um... Going into writing that album, I did want to touch, I thought was super cool because I'm very much into like the self-growth type, motivational type side of things. Um, You went on a week-long retreat by yourself in solitude. Where was that? I know reading the story, it was an Airbnb somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Yeah, it was on Bowen Island, which is just off the coast of Vancouver. It's What was the purpose for you doing that? um, I think going there like the act of leaving my studio and going there physically was more important than where it was okay. or what I did there. I think it's just that feeling of crossing the threshold right? and going into a new experience and trying to let go of previous expectations. That was really the, the main thing. It ended up being way more than that as yeah. an enriching experience because uh, the place was so inspiring to me. It was really uh out in the boonies, like not close to any kind of civilization. I just grabbed like um, all the, I, I went to the grocery store like once, picked up all, <laughs> all the stacks and things that just kind of um, insulated. Uh, Did you, for that so week. you, you pretty much just locked yourself in wherever that, that house I'm assuming you locked yourself cabin. in that. Yeah. A little yeah. cabin. You locked yourself in there and you just wrote music. Did you have an intention of writing an album when you went there or was it just kind of just a self-exploration type of trip? No, I, I knew I wanted to start an album. Okay. Uh, that was definitely intentional, but I like on the planning of going there, I really tried to let go of any idea of what the album was going to be. Right. Right. That I just sense. wanted it to be, to be, yeah, my two things that I wanted was for it to sound different than anything that I'd heard before and for it to be authentic to me. I wanted it to really like feel like, oh, th- this is the emotion that I want to express and it's coming through in this song. So yeah, th- that first week was really quite abstract when it came to writing yeah. ideas. Um, the very you, first you thing- You just let anything and everything flow. Through. Yeah. Like, I'm just writing it down, yeah. Exactly, like throwing yeah. spaghetti at the walls. Yeah. The sticks. Um, <laughs> The very, very first thing I wrote, though, actually ended up making it into the album, which was the drop of Machina. Oh, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the 10th song. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, how you hear in the final version is the first thing that I wrote when I got to the wow. cabin. I was, that was just the space that I was in, and yeah. it came out, and then that went on to influence stuck. That's sick. Um, the rest of the writing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, was there anything else that you ended up working on in the midst of being there or was it just really wake up album eat album <laughs> go to the bathroom uh, album go to sleep album wake up album <laughs> uh i was you know I, i've had times in my life where i've done these like eight ten hour days but yeah. it it honestly doesn't work best for me like that okay. like i tend to be really focused when i'm in ableton like anytime i'm in there it's 100 percent of my 
uh, attention is right, on so the t- task so at it takes, hand. So it takes a lot out of you when you're doing it, so. It does. Right. And I am of the opinion that uh, like you should rest hard yeah. so that you can work hard. So yeah. during that week that I was there, I would say that the entire time my mind was on the album, but I wasn't spending every waking minute staring like in front of Ableton. Away. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would take lots of walks. Um, I was just trying to take in the space, the atmosphere, the environment as much as possible. So really like British Columbia is just beautiful in general. Is it's that, is that I've been to the only place I've been to in uh, Canada is Calgary. That's more our like West coast though. I am like, on West coast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Calgary is in Alberta, which is the next province over. So you're actually not too far gotcha. okay. um, from where I am. But yeah, we're, we're right on the water, just above Seattle. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah so it's actually, yeah, it's way closer to the, yeah, the coast than the Calgary is. Calgary is more inland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that was, I mean, just what I've seen in Canada, just being in Calgary, that Canada is a beautiful place, man. It is. Beautiful it place. Is. I'm super blessed to be yeah. from here. And yeah, I, I feel like so much of my work is inspired by the environment that I come yeah. from. Uh, just, yeah, the nature here is, is incomparable to anywhere Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. I was saying freaking wolves run on the side of that. I'm like, what the heck? I've never even seen a wolf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your writing process? Talking back, going back to the album now, uh, what was your writing process after you got back home? What was, how did it take shape after you got all the initial, you know, yeah, that's ideas down, I guess you could say. Uh, so I definitely didn't have all the ideas down when I came okay. back. I had like, if I remember right, there was like 10 to 20 just like rough sketches. Yeah. Um, maybe four or five of them made it into the album. Uh, there was a bunch more that I started in the in the months after that made it in. And there was a lot of sending it out to potential collaborators. Like I would okay. start an idea and then in my head, I'm like, uh, who would sound good on this? Uh, I really wanted to get vocals on a lot of the tracks because I, I know myself and I know that the instrumentals are going to be out in space and really yeah. abstract and weird. And I needed ways of bringing them back to right, earth. So right. early on, I knew vocals would be really important. So with each track, I would ask myself, which of my friends um, could I really hear on this? And I, I tried to keep the tracks really rough in that early stage because I knew that I would be recording live instruments and that the songs would change quite a bit. Right, which is very different, especially in bass music. It's very unique. I mean, yeah. there's only a few people that do that in bass music, at least, especially nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I I didn't want it to just be like club hits or right. um, you know, things to play at festivals. I wanted those moments where you know it's it's huge and expansive and yeah. layered and electronic. But when I was on the island, I asked myself that question of how much do I want to think about um like how DJ friendly these tracks are yeah. when I'm writing them. And I ended up deciding not at all. Like I don't care whatsoever if these tracks are club playable. But the way that I um, compromised with that is decided to make all these live remixes, like versions of the tracks afterwards that would be geared specifically for clubs. That's kind of what Porter Robinson's done in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 He's a big inspiration of mine. Yeah. But I yeah, I love his live edits, man. Like yeah. going to his show is, is another experience uh, yep. entirely from listening to one of his albums. So yeah, that was a big inspiration for me. And getting a remix album uh, from friends who are also really talented would create this kind of secondary discography adjacent to the album that is geared towards the live side, because I do right. care about that, but I just didn't want those structures to limit me when I was writing the the music itself. I wanted it. When I think about writing music, the first question that comes to mind is what is the context that is going to be consumed in? 
where, when is it going to be listened to? And even if it's not like exactly like that, having that image in my head guides all the right. Do you want someone at home making dinner, listening to like vibing out to music, or do you want someone who is headbanging at the rail? Yeah, there's so many different things. So many different, so many different times. Yep. In meditation, all these things like that. That first question influences so many decisions later on in the production. So when I came with that question for myself with the album the answer was like alone with headphones is probably the way that I want this album to be consumed. So I'm going to gear everything towards that. You know, what were some of the differences that you made with the live edits just made the drums punchier and made definitely different drums. Yeah. Alternate drops. Uh, What I wanted was for people who had listened to the album to come to the show and recognize like uh, yeah. breakdowns, vocals. They're like, oh, I remember this song, but then to go in, in a completely different completely, direction yeah, yeah. than what they expected. You also perform you also perform live sets though, don't you? Uh I do not as often as I'd like. I okay. did a uh I debuted the album with a live set that we recorded in a mining museum in BC. Oh sick. Um and yeah that was super fun. So it was like a, a lot of the album songs combined together, some of the live edits, and we did this in this huge, like cave-like That's um, awesome. space with visuals projected onto the stone walls. Sweet. It was really fun, super unique. Uh, so yeah, I would love to play more. I mean, I have all the live edits ready to go. Uh, you know, there hasn't really been any shows in Canada for the last yeah. uh, two or so years. Things are starting to open up now, which I'm really excited about. Um, I got to play. In Europe, just before this, uh, in uh, I, I went on another trip similar to okay. the one that I went in 2019. Uh, I got to play at Boots House in oh, Germany, which yeah, is my dream super, club. Super famous club, yeah. Yeah, like I've been watching YouTube videos of sets in Boots House since I was 12, 13. So That's getting awesome. to play there was unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with, with that trip that you took, I would imagine that it allowed you to get more, not only just creative with the album but also just get better in touch with yourself and your creative flow um do you think you discovered like there was any artist discovery during that time definitely um yeah it was there was a lot of self-reflection yeah while i was there for sure a lot of questions of like why am i doing this not in the sense of like questioning but like what is it all for right type of questions what are are my real motivations here and what i came with up with is like remembering how it was for me as a kid to discover uh, electronic music and how it made yeah. me feel the first yep. time, you know, those feelings, like there's nothing that compares to that. Those yep. first times you, and, and, and just saying this, I'm sure there's songs that pop into your head. Oh yeah. <laughs> you remember the first time that you heard it, your life was completely all Daft right? Punk or some original, uh, Martin Garrix, if you see all those guys. Yeah. So classic. And I just, I, I realized that like just giving that feeling to other people is all I care about. That's awesome. That's a great motive to do what you're doing, especially for a living. Um, are you full time now with music, or are you? Yeah. Do you have a, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, ever since high school, basically. Wow. Um, in the last year of high school, uh, was really when I decided that I wanted to do this. Uh-huh. Uh And I'd gone lucky because in the early years, I played in jazz bands in school, and and that gave me a lot of credits. So by the end of it, I was literally taking two courses, and one of them was music production. <laughs> And just staying home and making music as much as possible. And then, yeah, just continued that out did of you, high was, school. Are you all self-taught or did you go to school at all for, or did you take any courses and stuff on like production? I didn't go to school, but I don't want to say that I'm self-taught because I had um, mentors. mentors, yeah, which were really, really key in terms of speeding up the learning curve 
And yeah, just having someone to bounce ideas off of and get that direct feedback, mm-hmm. like definitely YouTube videos helped, but nothing compares to having a really good mentor. Yeah. It's someone who's going to tell you if it's good or not. And <laughs> but YouTube videos, like here's the technical side of everything, but you actually doing it. I can't tell you one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. It's parasocial. You know, I, yeah. I don't even really use YouTube anymore for production. I just found that like, it's not even helping me as yeah. much as actually sitting in the DAW and doing the thing. Like at a certain point, tutorials are only going to take you so far. Yeah. You either need mentorship feedback or raw hours inside the DAW. Um, that's really going to make the difference. Yeah. Um, going back to the identity thing, how do you think you've gone about building your own identity outside of like an experience like you had with taking a, you know, solo vacation type of thing? What, in what um, ways have you been yeah. been able to find like your identity as Crimson Child? Uh, this is such a hard question to answer because I feel like identity and perception yeah. are two things that are so, uh, so hard to, to kind of pick apart and, it's it's a lot based on how I view myself, like yeah. what I'm how I'm going to answer. So it can be completely different to how other people see me. Um, I have no clue. But in terms of my identity, how I see myself, I really am trying to uh, evoke deep emotion in the music that I make. That has always been the the first priority is what am I feeling? How can I express this yeah. in the song? Yeah. Everything needs to start from there. And then... From that point on, how I execute that, I like to think that my identity comes through in the live instruments yeah. that I use in terms of the influences that I bring from my childhood, from uh, growing up, listening to all sorts of different music. I don't think there's anyone that has the influences that I do what, in terms of how what, varied they are. Who would you say were a lot of your, like, give me some examples so that we can understand the, the yeah. range of artists. <laughs> I think the biggest one is my mom and I have to start there okay. because yeah, uh, that's right. Your mom is a professional musician, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was a flamenco singer and dancer for 20 years. Uh, for, wow. Yeah. For a super long time until she started her own band, okay. uh, which is a fusion of Persian traditional music with flamenco. What so is flamenco? Singing, flamenco is, um, is a Spanish uh singing and dance okay. and get or is this you should definitely look it up it's yeah I will. Uh, yeah definitely. super traditional very very um very important to the culture of spain yeah and my mom's living there now uh like studying she studied flamenco in spain and then is singing flamenco in farsi which is pretty unheard of wow um, yeah <laughs> so yeah she's really quite influential to me has helped me so much with production, the first time I even produced was on GarageBand on her MacBook when nice. I was 14. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I have to start there because she really has made such a big impact on the way that I make music, on the influences that I take. But yeah, there's more traditional influences like Skrillex, Porter Robinson, yeah. et cetera, that I started off with. But in the more, in today, like the the last few years, I've really been influenced by Bon Iver a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyone yep. who knows me knows I'm absolutely obsessed with them. I have every uh, album on vinyl. <laughs> I've listened to 22 a million a hundred times, probably more than that. Um, yeah. I listen to Bon Iver all the time. I think it's made a big influence on my music in the album, especially. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, nowadays I find myself like it, we're getting more and more recent. I'm just getting deeper and deeper into techno. And that's just where my head is who, right get, now. Who are some of your techno favorites? 
Um, do you know Bibliotech Records? Have you heard of them? Uh, no. Super sick underground label um, in Europe. Yeah, okay. it's all European techno. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's really the main reason that I even go there is just I for the like, shows. I like, yeah, I feel like techno is definitely a lot more prevalent in Euro- European countries. Yeah. Like here, it's, like where it's very much of an underground type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are good techno artists in, in the West, yeah. um, in North America. But yeah, the real bread and butter is in Europe. I really like Seb Jack a lot. He's the guy who runs okay. Bibliotech Records. Um, he's got some really sick people on his label. Osgurd Khan is insane. Um, yeah. I like techno. So I'm going to go look that I'm going to go definitely, look that up. I can yeah. send you some stuff. Uh, yeah, my my brain works strange with music where I will be hyper obsessed with a certain style for a couple of weeks and I just drown myself in that. Dude, and that's, that's all I, I want to listen to. That's how I am. It's the best yep. way to be, I think, because you take um, so much from a genre when you're steeped yeah. in it and then you just move on to the next thing when you need to. And yep. I think, yeah, if you're making music throughout this whole time, it, it'll show in your sound. I find that I like, I'll like listen to like, take for example like drum and bass i'll listen to drum and bass for like two three weeks and then like listen that's like the only thing i'll listen to and then like after that i'll it starts to get to a point where it's like oh this is really good and then at the end of it you're like okay i kind of need something new refreshing like i'm exactly the same (laughs) absolutely Uh, even like when i was you know i was growing up i grew up on classic rock and country and stuff and um not a lot of people in the edm community can say that but um especially like i'll even go back and like listen to some of that stuff sometimes just to get a fresh ear oh, yeah like uh, something outside of even edm too is helpful definitely yeah. i i go through phases where i don't want to listen to any electronic music yep and a lot of producers a lot of people don't realize like the people who, like work in the industry and they're around it all the time it's like their job or like the the top top producers even the mm-hmm. pro- producers, they don't listen to electronic music they don't listen to it. no they do not <laughs> trance no yeah you got to connect with your roots absolutely yeah. for you that's classic rock country yep. for me sometimes i'll just listen to squamai because yeah. that was the first thing that got me into like it was the first concert I ever went to right. um, his stuff. And it's not at all similar to what I make or where I'm at, but yeah, to connect with where you were when you first heard that yeah. music that influenced you. It's so important. So important. Yeah. Um, how, how's your relationship or, you know, how do you let through your branding of Crimson Child? How do you think people view or how do you think you would like people to view your project mm-hmm. like how do you put yourself out there on social media how do you engage with other people um when you're at shows like how is how is the what's the feeling that you want to give other people with your crimson child project this is the part i think i'm worst at um okay <laughs> not because i don't want to talk to people i love talking to people um especially about music it's yeah it's the thing that really gets me excited to to have a conversation with someone uh, about music or people's passions but with social media specifically i have a really hard time staying consistent with it because it it just gets to me you know like um just scrolling and and seeing people's posts it even has nothing to do with them it's all just it's um, all internal it's all internal and yeah i i want to think that when i post or when people are, are are interacting with me I try to be as vulnerable as I can. I just want to share how I'm feeling, where I'm at in that place and what I'm, what I'm doing, you know, like, right. Sometimes I, I do insulate and I'm very guilty of this where I'll just stay off of it or make music for um, a couple of weeks and not really I think update that's anyone super, with what's I think happening. That's not that it, I mean, it kind of hurts your project on a business sense, but on a personal standpoint, I think it's a really healthy it's thing so to do. Yeah. It's so, so important. <laughs> so 
yeah, it's something that I'm working on. I want to get better at. I understand that just like creativity, my my ability to put myself out there swings. Yeah. Uh, d- depending Dude, on me too. The yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm something I'm working on too. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think a really important part is not to feel shame for that. Like yeah. to understand uh, how you're how your mind works, how you need breaks sometimes. And Absolutely. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, now that you just brought up breaks, um, I think that's a, you know, in relationship with social media too, healthy daily habits. Um, I, for me personally, I, I said, I put it on my actual calendar. I go on, I, I might pop in if I have a down moment during my day or something, but for the most part, if I'm working, my phone is, just off to the side. I schedule in 15, 20 minutes every single day, like actually put it in my calendar. Like, okay, this is the time of my day that I go on and interact with other people and build relationships and like cultivate things online. But the rest of the day I need, I I need to put it away. You know what I mean? What do you do anything like that? Do you, do you set a specific time or anything? You know, I really should. (laughs) That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, No, it's, it's always been kind of, you know, I, I don't often post, like when there's nothing happening right when i'm just working on music like that's the the thing i really need to get better at is is keeping people posted who does a really good job at that is uh, ganja white knight if you're a fan of them i have listened to their music i've never actually checked out their socials that them and wookie i think have very good like they're like wookie they're working on stuff but then they're like posting like oh this is a new whip i did or you know it's like they're yeah. keeping the fans engaged in their creative process so Absolutely. i think they do both do a great job at that I should post whips more. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to when I was first starting out, but now it is kind of on a, like if I have something coming out, then I'll post about it. If I right. have something to say, I'll post about it. But yeah, yeah I'm, this it's something I'm trying to work on and get better at. What other habits have you developed for yourself that have, do you think have added to your success? Um, I'm going to talk about making music. Okay. For a second, um, yep. because I think a lot of people, re- and myself included, really get in their own head when it comes to production and and what they want to make and who they're trying to impress. Yeah. With their work, and one habit that's really helped me get around that is every time I sit down to work something, I'll try to start something completely new first, even if it doesn't end up being a song or anything mm-hmm. else. Just messing around in Ableton throwing sounds together gets gets you feeling looser i guess the juice is flowing <laughs> yeah definitely and lowers your expectations for yourself yeah because if every time you sit down you think you're going to try to make a masterpiece it's going to burn you out yeah inevitably and yeah. i have burned out and it's not fun because then i'm sitting there feeling guilty for not making music so how do you yeah how did you pull yourself out of the burnout phase just not do it for a while <laughs> um, yeah there's there's a few different ways. I mean, I've definitely been in that place where you're hitting your head against the wall, trying to right. push through it. And sometimes you have to do that if yeah. there's a deadline or something external that's um, influencing it. You know, I do a lot of production for other people as well, not just uh, okay. for Crimson Child. So sometimes in that case, um, you know, clients don't care about your burnout. So no, they do not. <laughs> there are we want it now. <laughs> yeah, there, there are situations where your burnout is irrelevant to, yeah. to the situation. So I've been there and it's not very fun. Taking breaks is one of the best things you can do for it to yeah. to really get away from it and to take, to, yeah, to just not look at Ableton for a couple of days. Uh, but I find that the really the main thing is you gotta get inspired again. You yeah. gotta find your way of getting inspired, and that's different for everybody. For me, that's listening to new music or going to okay. shows. Right, like 
yeah, that's what finding... initially initially drew you to it right absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i think that's that's the thing that really connects it for everybody find what initially drew you to it um and you got to respark that again yeah if, if you burn out so it's a lot easier said than done a lot of times that is needs to happen in tandem with a break for it to also work um but yeah just going to shows man like a really good show can completely change my whole mindset um, i did want to ask you like some what are your like some of your ways that you've worked around it and what are some of the warning signs that people should look out for if, you know, if they're working really hard on their project? Uh, in terms of warning signs, I think it's all about uh, listening to yourself and yeah. to your body when you're working, like when you're working on music, how are you actually feeling inside in yeah. your head? Are you like, Oh, I should do an hour. I've been in that place where I'm like, Oh, I need, I need to do another hour of production so that I don't feel bad about it later that I haven't done this hour. Of production. Right. That's the wrong place Instead of being be. pulled to like, Oh, this is all I want to do right now. It's like a, I have to exactly. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If it's driven by guilt or shame, then you're yeah. close to burning out. If it's yeah. driven by passion and love for the process, then you're in a really good spot. Yeah. That that's really the main thing. I think, um, I feel like it's it helps, all internal. You, you'll it, helps know. Your, it helps your creativity too. I feel like when you're, when you're being pulled in that direction, you actually Definitely. want to do it versus having to force yourself to do it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but in terms of getting yourself out of it, man, like it's so different for everybody. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I talked about the first part, which is going to shows, but listening to right. new music, I want to open on that a bit more because yeah. it's not just listening to new music. You got to listen to, music outside of what you normally listen to outside of your sphere of influence yeah. and that's the really hard part because a lot of people when they want to go listen to new stuff they'll either check out more of the genre that they're in yeah or they'll you know more Just of the new, artists that they new listen releases to. Yeah, new whatever, but like not yeah. really new right yeah. new of what you already know right right and you know that's all well and good but if you're actually seeking new inspiration checking out the hottest new dubs of tracks probably not going to do it for you. <laughs> no um, definitely not <laughs> yeah you, you gotta you got to expand your influences and it's going to help your music when you come back. Yeah. Cause the more, I really think the more diverse your influences, the more unique your music is going to end up sounding. Absolutely. People are so concerned with having um, signature sounds and, you know, sounding unique and all that, but 90% of it is just what you listen to yeah. because I every agree. idea you've had is from, coming from somewhere else. Anyways, it's just in how they all combine together. Yeah. to create something new you know people think that the guys who invent new genres just woke up someday with that idea but it's almost never like that it's from my perspective it's an amalgamation of that person's influences right you steal from so many different places so many small things that it's no longer stealing it's just a new thing yep yep and i think that's where innovators like skrillex he pulled from so many that he knew i mean he still writes some so much different music his newer Absolutely. stuff is like nothing compared like everyone knows him as creating dubstep like one of the originators of dubstep but the stuff he makes now is not even close to not, dubstep. Even, close to <laughs> not yeah. even close no he's and so awesome. so well-rounded and yeah. i think that that is the biggest takeaway to take from him is to yeah to, to not pigeonhole yourself because people yeah. are going to do it to your whole career anyways Absolutely. So you might as well be well-rounded so you can, you know, show them, Hey, you know, I can do this. Who does a really good job at that too is uh nitty gritty. Absolutely. He has side piece. He has, you know, different, different sounding. Like he doesn't under nitty gritty. It's not just 
bass music, which he does a great, great job at, but he also does like more like Valentino Kant type style, like club kind of ho- like hoppier songs. Um, and then he also, like I said, side pieces completely like, they're doing great with side piece. So yeah, um, very talented guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last thing that I wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap up here um, is touch kind of relates to the last topic is just like the ebb and flow of creativity and inspiration. Um, do you think taking breaks kind of helps with like the ebb and flow? Like when you're not feeling inspired, taking a break. Um, I, I know taking a break is hard for a lot of people. They don't want to, cause like you said, they might have pressure put on themselves or the, you know, they put that pressure on themselves and they do face burnout. But, um, how do you go about handling like the ebbs and flows of like when you're feeling really inspired, but then at other times accepting that, like, it's okay that I'm not super inspired right now. I can go focus on something else. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, the first thing is understanding that there is an ebb and flow. Yeah. That's the number one. Cause a yeah. lot of people, um, myself included, will think that they're a machine and that they can just keep writing right. and nothing's going to stop them, but you will burn out at some point. Yeah. It's inevitable. A- anyone who's anywhere in their music career has burned out tons of times. Yeah. Everyone, right. Uh, <laughs> everyone does it. So I think rediscovering your other passions, your other hobbies yeah. outside of music is really important because, uh, I think a lot of people can relate to this. I certainly can. At some point, music becomes a job when you're doing it every day, and, when you're and doing I've it for heard, money. I've heard multiple times. I don't know if you listen to, shout out to the Back to Back pod with Willie Joy. Um, do you know about that podcast? Yeah, great podcast. He talks about all the time. He was like, dude, DJs need hobbies. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> everyone needs hobbies. Yeah. And yeah, finding what those are again, finding friends again, like seeing friends can be so so helpful when yeah. you're in that down place because you think you're alone there but you'll talk to another homie and they're just in that same place yeah. um and it can it can really help helps you pull, helps pull you relate out. yeah definitely yeah so yeah those ebb and flows you know when it's flowing for me at least i'm writing like nonstop when i can yeah when i when i feel like it's really going like i'll just be writing ideas all the time it was like that when i first got to europe on this okay most recent trip yeah. Like it was after a very long dry spell before this in Van- like Vancouver, just not being able to get anything going. And then I landed in Europe and I think I was just writing nonstop for like a week straight. It Damn. Was just <laughs> new ideas, new ideas, new ideas. And then. So take advantage of those times. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely try to, but I, right. when I know that it's flowing because I have been there when it's not, and I know that it's not going to be again soon. Yeah. And yeah, like a week after that, again, I wasn't writing, but I was going out <laughs> to shows and things like that. So getting the experiences. So making the most of when you can write and maximizing the time that you're writing when, yeah. when it's flowing and it feels good because it's naive to think that that's going to last forever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and finding, it sounds like finding that balance between what you're trying to say is basically find that balance between like going out and having a good time, but also like knowing how to go home and go to work as an artist. Definitely. Like both of those things are important. You can't just work all the time. You, you have to find what yeah. your rest is. And yeah. when you find what that is, when you go into rest mode, really rest. Like, cause yeah. some people say that they're resting, but their mind is on their, on their work. Or when, uh, when you rest, do you like completely unplug from everything? And you're just like, I'm just going to go watch TV or read a book or like, I'm not touching my computer. Like what's your, what's your definition of rest for yourself? Um, uh, I don't really talk about this. I actually don't think I've ever talked about this um, through the lens of Crimson Child, but I love to play Magic the Gathering. Do you know this game? I've heard of it. I've heard uh, of it. It's like it's like a card game that exists. Oh, uh, Magic. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of my friends play it. So for me personally, that is my ultimate way of disconnecting Hell yeah. because I just hang out with friends. It's a social aspect and I play the game that I really love that I've been playing since I was a kid. That's awesome. And 
you know, video games are fun too, but I I feel like they're less restful for me at least. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't really yeah I don't really play like chill games. Like when I play games, it's like uh, recently I've been playing Elden Ring, which is the new um yeah Dark Souls uh-huh. type game. Absolute opposite of rest. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, like those are fun, but I don't I don't consider it really full rest because yeah. I when I come back from that I'm not like ready to write right away. Right. Right. But when I, yeah, seeing friends and playing magic for me is the ultimate disconnect. Cause I don't even, like, I don't answer messages for like three, four hours. It's not even that I'm unplugged. I just forget to look at my phone when it's happening. Yeah, like yeah. that's how in it you have to be when you're resting. Right. It, it's strange to look at resting. Like it's an emotional task, but it kind of is. Like, it is. You have 100%. to be invested in the rest. Yep. And that's the only way that. Especially really when you works. have, especially when you have like a higher calling and you have a mission and a purpose in your own life it's like this is what i need to be doing i love this like obviously you have that but like you also know need to know how to take care of yourself and step absolutely. away from what you love for a little bit so it's exhausting you, if yeah. it's all you're doing yeah yeah absolutely. anything's exhausting if you do you, exa- you can exhaust anything <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that's all you're doing Definitely. um what what are some tips that you have for people that you know may be struggling with taking time away from their work and you know mm. And it's great. Like I said, it's great to be passionate, great to be all in on your goals and dreams. But like we just said, we need to take a step away from that. What's your, some of your tips and you know guidelines that you have for those people that may be struggling with that? I think the biggest thing when it comes to that is understanding that it's not a race. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that, especially if you're a little older, you might think that, oh, I'm behind. Fact. There's all these kids that are killing it right now. I have to get on it, you know, yep. and that kind of mindset will kill you because yep. it's, not a race. You will not be able to get there um, in six months or yep. a year or two years. It's going to take longer. Yep. You have to be okay with the fact that it's going to take longer and understanding that you can't just be a machine for however long that it takes. So that's number one, I think, is really facing the fact that it's not going to be overnight yep. and that you have to take care of yourself to be that able to sustain. Um, and Beyond that, like in terms of tips for for people, I think there's things that you can do productively that isn't as emotionally taxing, creatively draining as writing new music or progressing new parts. You can um, do mix downs or things that are more technical that are not as um, like decision based in terms of like, oh, what do I feel? What do I want to do this? like one plus one equals two type of task. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Things like that, things like organizing samples. Like I spend so much time just organizing my library. Yeah. For example. I'm not a producer myself, but I've heard that's very important as producers to organize. With any work, if you're working on, I mean, even me, like with the podcast stuff, I keep things, Mm -hmm. everything in folders. I keep everything organized and like, it does get out of order every week. I have to go through and clean it up. So same process. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Keeps your brain clean. And yeah, yeah, doing things like that lets you, when you're actually focused on the thing that you need to be focused on, you don't have these other things getting in the way. Basically doing all this for me, my philosophy when it comes to production is to set everything up in a way so that when I want to write, it's as seamless as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. So getting the the library really sorted to the point that there's a lot of folders, like there's a lot of subfolders of types of sounds, but when you get down to a folder that actually has sounds in it, I try to keep it to less than 20 and only the highest quality stuff. Oh, so interesting. Every sound that I'm clicking on is something that I would use Uh in a production. That plus templates, like yeah. when I open up Ableton, it's not just four channels there. I have my drum folder, my percussion, my synths, my bass, all named, color-coded, because I hate doing that when I'm actually <laughs> writing. So everything's already there, ready to go when you're producing. Because yeah. for me, yeah, it's, it's really hard 
And for a lot of people, it's really hard to get that ball rolling. So you might as well set up everything to get it as easy as possible. Lower, lower the barrier to entry. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, as we as we wrap up here, we've talked a lot about your past achievements um, in this conversation. But what's what's next for you in this year? What are some of your goals this year? Uh, yeah, I'm dropping new music on Friday. Excellent. Pretty excited about that. Sweet. Uh, so when this comes out, actually, it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that worked out pretty well, actually. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Out of Love with Nato and Stefan Geisler is dropping on Friday. That's a song I'm really excited about. been working on it for awesome. like a year, year and a half. I'll go ahead and link um, that in the description too for you. So thanks, anyone who yeah. wants to check out that song, go click on that. <laughs> yeah, it's dropping on Westwood, which is the Funk Hunters label. I'm a, a big fan oh, of theirs. Um, we did a remix for them a, a little while ago, but now to drop a single on their label is really exciting. Uh, yeah, that's the main thing. I've starting a new album soon <laughs> excellent um, album too so yeah keep, keep an eye on that Sweet. uh but i don't expect to be dropping that this year okay it's something that i would like to get going for sure awesome uh yeah that's that's what's happening and then uh <laughs> and more techno techno is definitely coming. the, yes. the other project that i mentioned i'm not going to name drop it but i'm yeah. releasing music on there excellent uh, this year as well excellent excellent uh where can the listeners find you at and support you uh spotify is definitely the best way crimson child uh on spotify or anywhere else sweet uh yeah uh final question i asked this question at the end of every interview um going all the way back to when you first you know started your musical journey not just crimson child but actually started mm -hmm. producing music what is one piece of advice that you would tell yourself during that time and why during that time as yeah. in when i like take, um, taking the knowledge you have now going back to that time what uh, would you tell yourself? i see i see yeah I would tell myself to not quit piano when I was four years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I started, it was with piano because my parents put me in it, but I uh -huh. hated it as a kid. Like, I really did not like it <laughs> and kept begging them to let me quit. And they said, fine, but you have to play another instrument. How's your relationship, so that was with, the rule. How's your, how's your relationship with the MIDI controller now? <laughs> uh, yeah, not great. Uh, I work with uh, a lot of great keys players. Uh -huh. um, I, I, I tend to write... Uh, a lot of MIDI just like clicking on into the piano roll, but uh, working with piano players uh, definitely on the album was really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would have wished that I didn't drop out of piano and kept playing that. But yeah, I just want to reiterate that that feeling of uh, you know it's not a race, yeah, and it's a marathon. I think understanding that, like really deeply internalizing that early on, is so so important um, awesome. for anyone who's who's starting on their career. So I. I don't know how five, six-year-old me would react to hearing that advice. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah that, that's what I have to say. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, man. It was a Thank you for having me.
Thank you so much, Cribs and Child, for coming on the show today and giving us some tips on how to avoid burnout and what you personally do to live a more balanced life. Please go give him a follow and check out his new song that just came out today. And if you personally would like to get some support in order to not feel so guilty when you know that you need a break from work or have any tips on how to find balance within your own life, then I encourage you to post them on our free Facebook group called The Society Meeting Room, where I would personally love to celebrate you for taking care of yourself and taking that well-deserved break. The link for that is in the description.